Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the word. Second Samuel chapter 6 and verse number 10. Now, I, I can preach this, and you can nod and we can go home. Or I can preach this, and you can open your spirit. And I'm telling you, it'll change your life. It changed mine. Let me tell you what I'm about to do. I'm about to preach to you a revelation that God gave me that rocked my world, that literally changed my life. What I'm about to preach to you has caused me to make decisions that I may not have made before I got this revelation. It's caused me to walk in directions that I may not have gone if I hadn't had this revelation. And God's calling this church to a brand new level. Pastor's been pulling you. Some of you have been resistant, but how many of you are ready just to say, okay, God, I'm tired of fighting. I want to go. What I want to do whatever you want me to do. Anybody feel that way? Raise your hand and wave it if that's where you're at. I've got some people there with me tonight. <clears throat> Second Samuel 6 and 10. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him and into the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom. <clears throat> get tight. Everybody say Obed-Edom. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom to get tight three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom. And all. Everybody say all. Let me tell you, when Jesus starts blessing, he blesses it all. All his household. He was so blessed that word got to King David. Watch the next verse. And it was told King David saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. First Chronicles 13 and 14 is a, another rendition of this story and it says, and the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. I want to preach to you for just a little bit. The blessing <clears throat> of the inconvenience. The blessing of the inconvenience. Would you just put your Bibles down? Would you lift your voices? Let's ask God to speak to us tonight. Come on, somebody help me pray. <clears throat> Come on, let your voice ring out for just a moment. Come on, let, let bring some words to the Lord right now. In Jesus' name. God, you're going to have to touch my voice. God, cause your word to come forth with power and authority. Change our lives tonight. Cause this word to be inscribed in our spirits and our hearts forevermore. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. <clears throat> we live in an age of convenience. Oh, it's all about convenience. 
We got remote control garage door openers because we don't want to stop, put it in park, take four steps and have to bend over and pick that door up. No, we want to push a button, pull it up. Oh, we had computers. Y'all remember desktop computers? But they were inconvenient because I got stuff I need to do while I'm in the car, when I'm at Starbucks, when I'm at work. And so we got laptop computers. But, but those crazy things were just too big. So we, we got iPads now because that's easier to pack around. But those were just too big too. So now we got smartphones because that's easy. And now we got smart watches because I don't want to have to reach in my pocket to get my phone out, I won't be able to push a button on my wrist and answer the phone. We got fast food, and we get mad because it ain't fast enough. How long does it take to put a burger on a bun? We got refrigerators with ice dispensers. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about, but back when I was a kid, we had these little things called ice trays. It's an amazing little plastic invention. It, y'all, I'd have to explain it to some of y'all. Y'all got that weird look. It's 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 amazing thing. We got elevators because we don't want to walk up the stairs. We got escalators. How, how lazy do you have to be? I mean, come on. How about this? We've been telling you I've been looking for a vehicle, and and they got vehicles now that project the speed limit or the, your speed on the windshield because it's so exhausting to look down. <laughs> Come on, it's about convenience. And we don't want to be inconvenienced. And to be inconvenienced, the word means something that causes trouble or difficulty to our personal comfort. We're all about getting us comfortable. Amen. We are comfortable. And, and, and we have the story of this man named Obed-Edom. Now, most scholars believe he was Obed-Edom, a Gittite. Most scholars believe Gittite indicates that he was a native of the Philistine city of Gath. And so they believe he was a heathen, a man who served the many gods of the Philistines. In fact, Obed-Edom, his name alone means a worker of Edom and of course the Edomites were the arch enemies of the people of God in fact so deep was the hatred of the Edomites that they that, that it became synonymous with the word enemy to Israel they they could not stand these people but all at once, there's a problem, and, and there's some, a situation with the ark. Somebody reached out and touched it and got killed instantly. And King David said, okay, we're going to stop it right here. Whose house is close? There's an Edomite. Oh, Obed-Edom is right there, the Gittite. And they knock on his door. And don't you know it was an inconvenience when the presence of God came into his house, you see, he served all kinds of gods. And, and, and all of a sudden, the ark is coming, which represents the power of God and the provision of God and the word of God. And it comes into his house. And can you imagine? Come on. You, it was in his house. It wasn't in the yard. It was in his house. I wonder what they had to move around in the living room to, to accommodate the ark. I wonder what had to change in the house to accommodate the ark. Let me tell you, when the ark 
comes in your house, there's going to be some things start changing. The way you walk is going to change. The way you talk is going to change. The things you look at is going to change. When the ark comes in your house, something's going to happen. And David said, okay, listen, I need you to take care of this. There's a couple of rules. Uh, number one, don't touch it. If you don't believe me, there's a dead dude laying in your front yard that tried that just a few minutes ago. So don't touch it. Amen. And at first, it's a problem. I just imagine that, that his wife, Mrs. Obed-Edom, had some issues. I can't, I can't believe you brought this thing into my house without talking to me first. She had, I'm sure it was an inconvenience to kids. Are you kidding me? We got some strange uh, uh, representation of God from, from the Israelites in our house. What are you talking about? It's just crazy. And, and it's, so it's there for three months. And at first, it's really an inconvenience. But, you know, he goes out one day and, and then he starts, he goes out to his garden, you know, and he's, he, starts, he starts picking corn. And he's like, for crying out loud, bushel after bushel after bushel. And he goes over, man, goes down the, the purple hole pea. Y'all know what purple hole peas are around here? Goes down that, I see some old gray heads going, mm-hmm. And uh, man, pick, man, he's got bushel. He got so many. He's got snap peas, and man, I'm telling you, everything he's growing. He's like, what are we gonna do with all this? And he walks over to his fence and talking to his neighbor, and he's like, my lord, this is an amazing year, isn't it? What are you talking about, Obed? Oh man, I, I'm, I'm. It's unbelievable the way my crops are going. Well, man, we struggling over here. Man, we ain't, we ain't getting enough rain. Man, I can't get nothing to grow. And Obed's like, what? What really? I mean, right here close to me, you, you, you're, not, you're not being blessed the way I'm being blessed. Man goes out to his barns and, and his sons come around and say, Dad, you ain't going to believe this. Man, all of our cows are having triplets. Man, we got more cows and camels and baby sheep all over. Daddy, we don't know what to do with them. Man, and he's like, what's going on? Man, they had, they had everybody else was bringing their produce and, and their animals to the market. And they, they was bringing them, you know, one at a time or, or a few bags at a time. Oh, Obed Edom rolls in with an 18-wheeler coming in to unload because he had been so blessed because he brought the ark of God in an inconvenient manner into his home. Oh, and he got, his blessing was so amazing. It was so noteworthy. That word began to travel around. Man, I'll tell you what, I don't know what Obed did, but he brought that ark of, of Israel into his house and everything that dude touches. The Bible said so. All of his house, everything he had was blessed. And King David gets word that, my God, it's happening. And he goes back, and I could just see, I could see old Obed sitting there looking to get up every morning drinking coffee, looking at that ark, saying, oh, yes, this is honey, isn't this unbelievable? Whoo, boy. Man, he didn't fill up his, he got enough money to retire and now put back. He, he's fired up. And all of a sudden, he gets a knock on the door. King David, how you doing? Hey, man, I've heard, boy, isn't that the way we want it? That we're so blessed that word gets around. Man, I, I heard over there in Hartsell, Alabama, man, they having revival. I heard God is healing people over there. I heard 13 people got baptized. I heard God started healing folks. I heard people were getting the Holy Ghost. Now what we want? We want the word to get out. Hey, man, I want to I want to go over to Holy Smokes, be eating wings, and somebody say, y'all heard about what's going over at church down yonder? Come on. But King David's like, man, we heard good things are happening. I've, I've come to take it back. 
I, I, I'm just, give me a little liberty here. But I can just imagine, he's like, man, I, I, I'm good, King David. It's fine right where she's at. No, 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 we, we got to take her back to, we got to take it back to Israel. Oh, man, no, seriously, I'm happy to keep, no, you don't understand. This is very important to us Israelites. I got to take it back. I could just see him going in there to his wife. Honey, I don't understand this. I don't like this, man. This has changed our life. Let me tell you, when you bring Jesus into your life, it will change your life. And all of a sudden, I, I, he's, he's worried. He's, he got his kids. He got a family meeting. Got folks. I don't know what we're going to do, but they're going to take this. And I, I just wonder if he didn't overhear him talking outside the window, saying, "Hey, we got to have somebody to carry the ark." King David, he's going to put us in shifts, and he wants us to carry the ark for a little while. And the Bible says, you can read it for yourself. But the Bible tells us in First Corinthians fifteen that Obed Edom became a porter or one who carried the ark. I can imagine him saying, "Oh, hey, hey you mean I can go with it? Hang on." Just a second, honey. Get get you a backpack. We we're going we're not gonna stay here. We're gonna leave it all, and we're gonna follow the ark of it. We're gonna inconvenience ourselves. We're gonna walk out of this house because I don't want to get far from the presence of God. So they, they pack a bag. Here they go. Man, that dude is so happy to be with the ark. Woo! He's going, but then it's shift change, and he's over there. He's like, man, I, that was awesome. I'm so glad we got to do that. And, and he's sitting there. He's on break, you know, just he's over there strumming his heart, and he hears music start kicking up in the background, goes outside, finds out they're going to worship a little while while the ark is stopped. And the Bible said that Obed-Edom went out and began to play his harp. Well, when he couldn't go in there and carry the ark, he said, I ain't just going to sit here and do nothing. Find me something else to do. Oh, you need somebody to play an instrument? You need somebody to sing? You need somebody to worship? Put me on the roll. I'm going to bend convenience myself. Come on, I wonder if there's somebody here that's ready to inconvenience yourself for the sake of the kingdom of God. Oh, but it gets better. Finally, they get all the way to Israel. They don't need anybody to carry it anymore. He's standing there, and all of a sudden, I just imagine him hearing them talk. Hey, listen, now that she's here, now that we got the ark home, we need some security. Seriously, it's in the book. It said that Obed Edom and Jehuiah were doorkeepers for the ark. Honey, guess what? I got me a job today. What you doing, baby? You ain't going to believe it. I get to stand outside. I get to guard the thing that blessed us. I get to, oh, come on, somebody. When he couldn't do other things that he wanted to do, he said, give me some kind of job. I want to inconvenience myself. For three months, he'd been its housekeeper. He'd been its landlord. But when he could not do so any longer, he had such a love for the ark. He loved the presence of God so much. He was happy to work for God in any capacity that he could. I wonder if old David was thinking about Obed-Edom when he said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Can't you just imagine as you walked up there, welcome to the house of God. Oh, welcome. You're about to feel something going to blow your mind. Oh, welcome. You're about to be blessed. He inconvenienced himself. Listen, when you're working for God, hear me. 
There will be things you encounter that your flesh will not like. It will be an inconvenience. You're going to be called to step outside your comfort zone if you're going to really work for God. The theological word for this kind of inconvenience, sacrifice. Well, you know it's hunting season. Boy, it got quiet then, didn't it? Boy, I just stepped in it right there, didn't I? <laughs> did, y'all, did y'all see that deer? That picture he had of that deer? My God, I got to get him. We had revi- revival on Monday night. Have you lost your mind? That's the only day off I got. I'm going to go kill that big old monster. But you know what? No, I love the presence of God so much. Uh, that old deer can wait. Uh, I'm going to go inconvenience myself. Uh, and if I don't go, uh, come on, somebody. I'm trying to help you understand. If you really want to do something for God, it'll push you to an inconvenience. I'm going to give you a son. You're only going to have one. I'm going to give it to you when you're old. And Abraham said, thank you, Lord. You know how bad I want a boy. I want a boy. (laughs) And then the same God that promised him a son, the same God that worked a miracle for he and his wife to be able to conceive, Turn around and said, take now thy son, thine only son, who you love. God ain't going to ask you for something you don't love. When it comes to an inconvenience, he's going to ask you for something that you love. It's going to be uncomfortable. My God. I want you to offer him for a burnt offering up on the mountain. The Lord said it's a sacrifice. But Abraham said to the young men, y'all stay here. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship. We'll come again. God called it sacrifice, but Abraham called it worship. Music ministries. Who's music ministries here? Where are they at? Okay. <clears throat> it can be an inconvenience, can't it? You're dealing with artistic people. They think a little different. But I know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm married to one. My daughter's one. Artistic people can be hard to get along with sometimes. It's an inconvenience to deal with talented people. You know what? You got to have practices. Hours of practice at home and at church. Hours searching for new songs that nobody ever sees. They just come in, whoo, glory, clap their hands and get all happy for Jesus. There's all kind of stuff going on behind the scenes and learning and teaching new material, trying to dovetail in with sound people and media people. For crying out loud, you got to get it right. Come on, I, I used to run sound. I know what I'm talking about. Man, it's, it's inconvenient to work media and run sound. It is. Come on, you got to work with 
a bunch of talented people up there, and every one of them wants their monitor a little different, wants this a little different, wants their tone a little different. You got you to fight through all this. It's inconvenient. They, they work in a high-pressure environment all the time. You, you, know, you know when you're good at media is when nobody knows you're there. You know you've done a good job at media and sound when nobody knows you're there. Now, I'm not, think about that for a second. I do good in my job when nobody recognizes me. It's inconvenient. Then we got outreach ministry. We got vans. Man, pastor was showing me that, that cool stuff y'all about to do with those vans. Man, that's, that's awesome. But then you got to go cultivate contacts. You got to go find people to ride these vans. You got you to go pick up people for church. You got you to come early. You got to go gas them up and get them cleaned up and get them washed up. And takes time. Going to be out there in the heat sweating down, trying to get it ready for a bunch of people that you don't might not even know who they are, but they need to come to the house of God. It's inconvenient. I could be out there washing my own car, but I'm washing the church van. I, I could be doing something with my friends and going fishing, but I, I got to go out there and inconvenience myself for the sake of the kingdom of God. Man, I got one evening off during the week, but I, I got a Bible study, so I'm, I'm going to miss out. I, I'm going to inconvenience myself and go teach a Bible study. Let me, let me let, Hear me, church. If you're going to win souls, my wife and I have started four churches, so we're used to having a, a church full of babies. Let me tell you, it's time-consuming and inconvenient to win souls. I'm going to call you at 2 o'clock in the morning. Pastor, I give up. I'm quitting. I'm throwing in a towel. You, you spend all night changing bottles and, I mean, changing, warming bottles and changing diapers and trying to, trying to keep them from quitting all the time until they get grown up enough in the spirit to stand on their own two feet. It is inconvenient. Got fundraisers. Investing your time, talent, and treasure. Trying to raise money. So the church can move forward. Come on. You want me to do what? You want me to set for how many hours? You want me to dip how many strawberries? Have you lost your ever-loving mind? I got things to do. But no, I'm going to inconvenience myself. It's inconvenient. Ushers and greeters. Got to get to church early. Make sure everything looks speaking and span and clean. Picking up pieces of paper that slobs leave hanging. Did I just say slobs in the pulpit? Picking up pieces of paper and, and junk that people have left hanging around. So that so you people have a good first impression. We're in the middle of an epidemic, but you're going to have to shake people's hands and smile at them. It's a little inconvenient. Children's ministry is inconvenient. Got to decorate these rooms, get lessons together, changing dirty diapers, dealing with temper tantrums and babies screaming and crying. Got to prepare lessons that they can understand. Listen, if you don't know what, if you've never prepared a lesson for a child four years old, it's a different ball game. Oh, it is. It's inconvenient. Youth ministry. I, I raised two kids. Huh. Got to plan events, prepare lessons. Ride those emotional roller coasters. <laughs> Who's your youth pastor? Oh, bless your heart. Let's pray for him right now. Come on, I'm going to tell you what. They, it's inconvenient. 
It's inconvenient to deal with the emotions of teenagers, the whims and, and the, the ups and the downs of teenagers. You got, and they're trying to figure out who they are, and they've got different personalities, and, and, and they're, they're just moldable and malleable, and you've got to be careful what you say and what you do. It's inconvenient. It's hard to engage them. It's inconvenient to try to figure out how can we engage these guys. It's inconvenient. Or how about just good old basic Christianity? It's inconvenient. You got little kids, bless your heart that you came to church. You see this family? I don't know who this is, but I'm going to tell you, God bless you both. Got them babies in the house of God. I'm going to tell you, my, my son, most of the time my wife had to dress my son at least twice every service. She'd get him ready and he'd go do something stupid. Go jump in a mud puddle or, or go squirt some ketchup on him or, or, rip, or fall down and rip his knees open or, or, or something. And, and finally, one day she said, baby, I hope Jesus does not come while the kids are little because I don't feel like I've gone to church in years. But you know what? She was there and she inconvenienced herself. And while I stand in this pulpit tonight, my son is in Chicago standing in another pulpit preaching a message to his church. I want to tell you, you go ahead and get those babies ready. It's inconvenient, but you're going to see them be blessed. I'm going to church early for prayer meeting. I got to get up. I got to get ready a little bit early. I got to get up a little earlier. I got, I got to drive a long drive to church. I, I got to go help clean the church. I got, I got to praise God when I'm not in the mood. I got to step out of my comfort zone and share my testimony. It's inconvenient. Every aspect of ministry is wrought with inconvenience. It's a sacrifice. And you can whine and complain if you want to. Uh, because you have to cut back on your hobbies. You can pout uh, around for feeling unappreciated, or you can view it not as a sacrifice, but as worship. Come on, in spite of his inconvenience, Obed-Edom entertained the ark with cheerfulness and with reverence. We ought to be excited about what we do for God. We ought to be like Obed-Edom, Pastor, I don't have nothing to do right now, so hook me up. Put me on something. Give me a Bible study to teach. Give me a door to knock. Give me a room to clean. Let me inconvenience myself. Don't you ever think this is beneath me. That, 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 that Kleenex on the floor, that's beneath me. Somebody else's job, that is. No, no, no. Inconvenience yourself to do whatever needs to be done around the house of God. And I'm telling you, if you'll sacrifice, you will be blessed. And watch this. Proverbs 10 says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. When you get blessed of God, it's a pure blessing. But what benefit is this sacrifice? Is it just for the church? Are they the only ones benefited? What, what about me and my family? Well, let's look at this old Philistine's family. See what happened to him because he inconvenienced himself. First Chronicles 26 says, Moreover, the sons of Obed-Edom were mighty men of valor. Mighty men of valor. They were trusted and commissioned to protect the king. <laughs> they had high places. It said, all the sons of Obed-Edom and their sons and their brethren, able men for the strength for the service, were three score and two. 
one Philistine said, I'm going to inconvenience myself. And 62 of his sons, grandsons, great-grandsons were working for God. He entertained the ark with reverence and cheerfulness. And my, oh my, how he was awarded for it. One of the many blessings of the inconvenience is that God blesses your children. Does it really matter about my lifestyle? Does it really affect my kids? Yes, it does. Don't want they just turn out the way they're going to turn out? No. No, no, no. The, the Bible said my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgot the law of God, I will also forget thy children. God said you forget me. I'll forget your kids. But wait. Exodus says, thou shalt, he says, he visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. He said, if you hate me, I'm going three or four generations deep to remember that. But now the subject here is generations. And he says, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me. He goes three or four generations deep with the hate, but thousands of generations with those that love him. Some of y'all think, some of y'all think you're first generation. You think you just found this happenstance. But it could have been a thousand years ago that you had an old praying grandma. And the Lord saw you and saw the mess you were in and said, you know what? I remember your grandma. Oh, she loved me. So I'm going to take that blessing. And I'm going to go all the way down through the decades and the centuries. And I'm going to pour a blessing out on You're here today because somebody in your past loved God and lived for God. And you're experiencing the blessing of their inconvenience. Oh, that's just an Old Testament doctrine. No, Luke 1 and 50 said, His mercy is on them that fear Him from generation to generation. Paul pulled old Timothy aside. He said, boy, I'm telling you what. I, I, I like you, Timothy. He said, you got some kind of unfeigned faith. Boy, you are so full of faith, it just inspires me. But he went on to say this. He said, which dwelt first in your grandma Lois. <laughs> Woo, son, you should show your grandma get in the prayer room so she could pray the paint slap off the walls. But it didn't stop there. Also, I saw this same thing in your mama Eunice. Mm. Boy, I'm telling you what. <laughs> and I see it in you, Timothy. Timothy, pastoring gigantic church, was just experienced the blessing of the inconvenience that his grandma and his mama walked in. My grandpa died when I was a little boy. I was 12 or 14 years old. Lived in rural Illinois. He came into the truth, middle of his life. And he was there and he was about a mile from the church. Well, the church was old and run down. And they, they found a little piece of property about five miles away <laughs> and so they bought that piece of property and built him a building everybody was excited grandpa was excited too but he was also aggravated because he didn't want to be that far from church true story 
there was a little old general store across the street from where they bought the property. It had just shut its doors. Grandpa went over to see if it was for sale. Bought that old general store, turned it into a house so he could live across the street from the church. I remember they still had a wood-burning stove. I remember as a little boy and saying, Bobby, come on. Come on with Papa." That's why I called him Papa. I remember him holding my hand across the street. Where are we going, Papa? He said, we're going to go stoke the fire, Bubba, so the saints of God can be warm tonight. <laughs> he never saw me preach. <laughs> I can't wait till I see him in heaven and say, Papa, thank you for inconveniencing yourself because now my mama's living for God. I'm living for God. My kids are living for God because of his inconvenience. My daddy's 82, 83 years old now. He was an iron worker, a big man in his prime, six foot six. He was tall when everybody wasn't tall, you know. And uh, just a big old man's man. I'm telling you, I'm not joking with you. My daddy was so big, just working iron, that his, his biceps were as big as my thighs And when he was in his prime. Just a monster of a man. I went and pastored my home church and got to become my daddy's pastor. And my daddy was a worker. You hear me? And I remember every, the church people took turns cleaning the church, and it was late on a Saturday night, and I knew daddy had been working overtime. He had worked 16 hours, and I pulled up. I told Tina, I got to go to the church to get something. And I pull up and I see my daddy's truck at work and it's 10 o'clock at night. And I walk in there. I didn't realize it was his turn to clean the church. He just worked 16 hours. And I, I walked around the room and he was, he was vacuuming. He was so tired. He was bent over. He run the vacuum three or four times and stop. Take a step or two over, run it three or four times and stop. And I'd hear him go, Three or four times and stop. And I reached over and I unplugged it. And when I unplugged it, boy, he stood up real quick and turned around. What are you doing, son? I said, what are you doing? He said, it's my time to clean the church. So I'm cleaning the church. He said, we ain't going to have the saints coming to a dirty church. And he said it just like that with that little daddy scowl on. Like, you know, you know what I'm doing here, boy. I said, go home. He said, son, this is my church, and I'm going to clean this church. I said, daddy, I'm not your son right now. I'm your pastor. You go get in that truck, and you go home and get you some rest so you can worship. I'm going to take care of cleaning the church tonight. And I sobbed and thanked God that I had a daddy that was going to inconvenience himself. I'm going to tell you what. There is a blessing when you inconvenience yourself. Stand with me, please. One of the most famous battles in Scripture has its beginnings with the decisions of two parents. Two mothers, Ruth and Orpah. The faith of Ruth could be com compared and contrasted to that of Orpah, her sister. Both were strangers to the real God of Israel. Their father was, had worshipped the Moabite gods. Both were married to Israelite brothers for a few years. Their husbands died, leaving them widows. 
During those 10 years of marriage, though, they were both introduced to the God of Israel, the true God. But when their husbands died, Ruth chose to hang on to faith. But Orpah chose to walk away. Ruth took the high road, if you please, and put her complete trust in the one true God of Israel. In fact, when her mother-in-law said, Naomi said, you can leave, she said, oh, whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where you die, I'm going to die, and there I'm going to be buried. But on the other hand, Orpah returned worshiping the idols of her father. History tells us she married a Philistine. And by all historical references, she became a harlot. One young lady chose to live for God. The other chose to walk away from God. And around four generations later, Orpah's great-grandson faced off with Ruth's great-great-grandson in one of the most talked-about battles in Scripture. You see, Orpah's great-grandson was Goliath. Ruth's great-great-grandson was David. Hundreds of years later, Ruth's grandson is still standing and fighting for faith and for God. While Orpah's grandson defied the truth, despised the truth. Ruth inconvenienced herself and it paid off in her life, in her life of her children, and in the life, ultimately, of everybody in this room. We're of the lineage of David. Thank you, Ruth. You could have walked away from all this. You had a chance to say, I'm not going to be inconvenienced with all this junk, all this new stuff and all this worship. But she said, no. Where you go, I'm going. We're gonna, I'm going I'm to serve this God. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm going to open this altar for people that are ready to. You, you want to inconvenience yourself to be whatever God wants you to be. Come on, is there somebody that says, okay, I'm I'm ready, God. I'm going to inconvenience myself. Listen, if you won't do it for yourself, do it for your children's sake. Because the blessing of the inconvenience runs down to your children. Come on, is somebody ready? Somebody ready to step up and step into service for the king like you've never done before? Come on, are you ready? Are you ready to make some commitments? (laughs) Come on. Come on, are you ready? Come on, find a place in this altar. Find a place to pray. Come on. We're going to make some commitments right now to God. There's a blessing of the inconvenience. He caught a little shot. Come on, come on. This is between you and Jesus right now. There's a blessing in your inconvenience. Come on, that's it. Find a place to pray. Come on. Nobody looking around. Come on, I'm asking you. Are you ready? 
I may have to put my hobby aside. Come on, I know it's difficult. I know it's hard being a youth pastor. I know it's hard being a music director. I know it's hard being a singer, a musician, and a Sunday school teacher, and an outreach. I, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to get to the prayer room early. I know, you're, I know you're struggling sometimes to get up and go to church, but I'm telling you, there's a blessing. It'll blow your mind. It'll touch your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. I tell you what, I want you to find your family. Come on, just move around the room till you find your husband's wife, kids. Find, move around, find mom and daddy. Come on, that's it. Come on, find them. And we're going to start praying as families. Come on, we're going we're gonna to make some commitments as a family right now. That's it. Come on, find, find your husband, find your spouse, find your kids. Come on, get together, huddle up. Come on. And we're we just going to start making some commitments as a family. Come on, Daddy. Come on, Daddy. Get a hold of those babies. Get a hold of your wife. Come on. Come on, Daddy. We're going to show Mama. We're going to show the kids. what we, We're about to make some changes. Well, we're about to start inconveniencing ourselves. Well, come on. We, we put God on the back burner long enough. We, we put our desires and our agenda on the, out front long enough now. We're going to put God first. Come on. If, you, if, you, if you're by yourself, go, go link up with a family. If you see somebody alone, motion somebody over. Come on. Nobody's standing by themselves. Come on. There you go. Find somebody. There you go. Thank you. Just move around. Some of you singles, get up here. There you go. Link up. Link up. Come on. We're going to start praying for each other. Come on, Daddy. Come on, Daddy. I want you to pray for your family. Come on. Open your mouth and start praying blessings over your kids right now. Come on, open your mouth. Begin praying for them. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. Come on, lift your voice, Daddy. Come on. Well, I'm a little uncomfortable praying for my family. That's all right. Today's a good day. Come on, Daddy, I want you to reach over. Just lay hands on your wife and on your children. Come on. Come on, that's it. Come on. Come on, start praying for them. Lift your voice and begin to pray for them. God, I want you to bless my children. I want you to bless my wife. I want you to bless my home. Lord, I want an anointing to be upon our family. I want the power of God to flow in our house. Lord, I want us to live for you. God, we're ready to inconvenience ourselves. Whatever it takes, God, we want to see your will done. Now, come on, mamas. Now, I want you to start praying. Come on, I want every wife to reach over and lay hands on her husband. Come on, I want you to start praying for your husband right now. Come on. Reach over, put, get your hands on him somehow. Amen. I want you to start praying, God, anoint my husband. Anoint him to lead us like we've never been led. Give him a powerful anointing and a holy touch. Come on, come on, wives, pray for your husbands. Come on, pray for him. Pray for him. Lift your voice for him. He Come on, I know it's inconvenient, but I'm telling you, there's a blessing in this inconvenience. That's it. Come on. Come on, wives. Pray for your husbands. Come on, lift your voice. Pray for them, God. Lord, help me to follow. Help the kids to follow. God, cause, us to, cause this man to lead us into revival. God, give him wisdom. Oh, 
God's sake. Now, kids, I want you to reach over. Pray for mom and daddy. Come on, I don't care how young you are. If you understand what I'm saying, reach over and put your hand on mom and daddy. I want you to start praying for mom and daddy for a little bit. Come on, sons, daughters, reach over to mom and daddy. Start praying for them, Lord. I want you to touch my mom and daddy. God, we're going to inconvenience ourselves. Lord, I want to follow you, Lord. I want my mom and daddy to lead me in the right direction. Come on, somebody make a decision tonight that from this day forward, we're going to live for God. We're going to inconvenience ourselves. We're going to put ourselves out. We're going to sacrifice, but we ain't going to complain about it. We're going to brag about it. We're going to be excited about it. We're going to look for ways to be involved in the kingdom of God. Come on, let's sing this song. Come on, let's sing it. Come on, don't stop praying. Come on, there's a family making a decision right now. Come on, come on, don't stop praying. The Holy Ghost is moving in this place. Come on. We ain't going to be the same church after today because we're going to be a church that inconveniences ourselves. We're going to push the limits a little bit. We're going to step out of our comfort zone. Jesus, you don't owe me Come on. That's it. Come on. Come on. There's something. That's it. Come on. There's some of y'all families that are getting a hold of what I'm saying. Come on. Come on. We're going to inconvenience ourselves. We're going to inconvenience ourselves for the sake of the kingdom of God. Jesus, you don't owe me anything And more than anything that you can do Lord, I just want you And I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions, I'm sorry. When I just sang another song, so take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. Oh, Come on, we're going to inconvenience ourselves. We're going to inconvenience ourselves. When I forgot that you're enough, take me back to where we start. We're going to inconvenience ourselves. Say, I'm calling. 
stop praying with me. I'm asking everybody here that has a voice to continue pushing a little bit. Come on, open your mouth. Come on, they're getting somebody ready to get baptized. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on, keep on praying. Come on, saint of God. Come on, sir, ma'am. Come on, I don't care who you are. If you're a guest here and you have a voice, would you just begin to pray with us? Come on, there's some people making some decisions that are going to change this world. They're going to change your family. They're going to change the people you work with because of the inconvenience in your life. Nothing else will do, say, I just want you. Lord, nothing else, oh, nothing else, oh, Jesus, nothing else will do. Come on, nothing else will do. Lord, I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. somebody close to you. Just grab somebody's hand and start praying with them. Come on, move around. Everybody find somebody. Come on. The Holy Ghost is still working. He's still drawing somebody. Come on, find you somebody. Start Let them know we're going to inconvenience ourselves. We're going to push by every wall. We're going to push through every barrier. And we're going to inconvenience ourselves. 